2014, uh, February, I had gotten to a place in my life where I had done everything I knew to do and could not get results. Now, what was odd is in the business world, I could get results. I could make money hand over fist. wasn't an issue. But when it came to walking in what I believed was my call and my passion of my heart, I couldn't make that happen no matter what I did. So what had I done? I had had three television shows, two radio opportunities, <clears throat> five books, a movie. I produced and, well, I wrote and produced a play. Um, it debuted in Walker and then was also in Hammond. And it, we did it four times. It was wonderful play. Even the men laughed and cried. If you can get a man to enjoy a play at Christmas, like that was a big deal to me. We turned that play into a movie. It aired in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and New Orleans on multiple stations. Um, I had a cooking show. That cooking show went from Florida to California on small broadcast and was in Baton Rouge before the Saints game and in Lafayette and in New Orleans. And it was on season after season, season for about a year and a half. And can I tell you, after a year, I didn't even get one email that said, you stink, get off the air. And I said, something's wrong. Something just doesn't make sense. And I had been, since February of 2014, I began asking the question, what's missing? God, there's got to be something that we're missing because how, how is this possible that I have all these promises? I've served you these many years. My life looks like everything should be right, but it's not falling in place. Well, in that February, I started getting really hungry for the Word of God, and I stayed in the Word from like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock at night. That's not normal. I wasn't hungry. I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I wasn't thirsty. I had to make myself get up and go eat and use the bathroom and do normal things because I was like in this place of not being able to get out of the Word. Now, I wasn't trying to, but I wasn't trying to stay in it either. It just was a hunger that overcame me. During that time, I began to study the subconscious brain, and I began to study it medically, scientifically, and biblically, and I started looking for things, anything that would, would correlate what was the, the brain and the heart connection, because they really are connected. Mm -hmm. Well, I also studied things like Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, Bob Proctor, uh, Napoleon Hill, James Allen, all these people God started sending to me and they talked about the law of attraction and all this stuff. And I thought, well, something's missing in here. This is, this has got a, a new age kind of mixture, but I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. God, what are you showing me? Well, what he showed me was it was, it was definitely in my subconscious brain. I was double-minded, but I didn't know I was double-minded. So here was my evidence that was against me. I knew God loved me. I believed God loved me with all my heart, so I thought. I believed it 100%, but I did not believe it in my limbic brain. Your limbic brain is created from age 0 to 6, and then it's solidified from 6 to 12. So in your limbic brain, you could believe that you are rejected and alone and different, while in your conscious brain, you believe God loves you and you are accepted. Well, if those don't line up, you're going to get what's in that amygdala. You're going to get the rejection, the loneliness, and not being accepted. So that's what I realized was happening, but I didn't know how to fix it. And so I'd been studying. Now, in November, I get, I get awakened in the middle of the night, 
by smoke in my nostrils. Now, I think my house is on fire, but I wake my husband up. He said, Angel, I don't smell anything. I said, well, this must be God because I, I, my nose is burning with smoke. So I grab my computer. I come and sit on my couch, and I in, I'm in a full-fledged vision. Now, the vision, vision is very, um, it's got a lot of prophetic symbolism in it and all this kind of stuff, but there's one little phrase inside of the, the vision. I'm typing while I'm seeing it, and it says, Go back into your memories. You will find that I was always there, and I've never left you nor forsaken you. Now, because of all the other grandiosity of this vision, like flying behind a, a, an, um, the, the Lion of Judah and seeing fire come out my mouth and strike Missouri and these a, a number of doves I couldn't even count coming and landing on the shores of the Jordan, crossing over the Jordan, all kinds of stuff. I totally overlooked that one little line nestled right in the middle of this amazing vision until March the 20th of 2015. I actually go back into a memory of when I was six years old and I was drowning. And I, I could remember like it was happening. The emotion was there. The trauma was there. The detail of what I thought when I was under the water was there. Like I can remember tr trying to figure how am I going to get out? I, I swam to the bottom underneath the log that I was pinned against and I felt to see if there was a hole because I could swim under it and come up. And I remember thinking, well, maybe my shoulders will get stuck. Or what if I don't get stuck and I can dig a big enough hole, but I come up and there's a log above me. <laughs> then I'm really stuck. And then I remembered God spoke to me while I was in the water and said, Angela, don't fight the current. You know you can't fight water or you'll drown. You learn that when you learn to swim. Put your right foot down. And I put my right foot down and I put it on the log and I pushed up and I got up and out of the water from where I was drowning. But what I realized in that memory during that heightened state of emotion was I was thinking to myself, I'm all alone. I'm going to die. Nobody loves me. Where are they? Will they even miss me? Is anybody looking for me? Because I had snuck off and went back to the river by myself. Mm -hmm. I was not there by myself. Like my mama wouldn't let me go by the river by myself. But I'm thinking these things. So my, in my core childhood belief system, I already believed I was different. I already believed I was alone. I already believed I didn't fit. And so when I got out of the water, I ran to my mom. I told my mom I almost drowned. Well, mama's looking at me. I look normal. I'm just a you know, kid with wet hair just got out of the river. And she's like, Angela, go play. I'm fixing, I'm fixing dinner or whatever. Well, in my mind as a child, I'm thinking, see, Nobody cares. Nobody. But that mama didn't comfort me. And so my, my sisters must be right. I'm different and I really am not loved. So I walked away from that traumatic experience with my amygdala memory being traumatic and believing I'm alone. Well, when I went back in the memory on March the 20th, 2015, I realized I never was alone. God never left me. He never forsook me. Just like what was written in that vision Go back into your memories. You will find that I was always there. I never left you nor forsook you. I love you. And so I didn't just believe it in my frontal lobe where my consciousness is. It changed in my brain where the trauma was at that moment that was created in a chain link molecule and a protein, a chain link a protein molecule in my brain. When I went back into that memory, it shifted. Now get this. At this time, it is actually on the anniversary of my conception. 
I'm, I've ended my 49th year and I'm beginning my 50th year. It happened my, that day when that occurred was on my anniversary of my conception. It was, so that's called a, a super Shemitah for uh, seven times seven is a seven years is a Shemitah. Seven times seven is super Shemitah. It happened in a super Shemitah year. It happened on the first of Nisan, which is when they start counting down the 49 in the Hebrew calendar, which leads up to Pentecost. Okay, which Pentecost happened on the same exact day Moses gave God gave Moses the Torah and on the same exact day God gave Moses the law. So that number 50 is a big deal. So in my in the in the anniversary of my 50th year, the beginning of my 50th year in a super Shemitah, in a Jubilee year, I get this anointing that totally changes my life. And it also happens on a solar eclipse, which I find interesting because when I was conceived, I was conceived in the state of Arizona, which is called the sun state. And it mean, and it's a, a phoenix was the name of the town, which means out of the ashes. Now, I know that's, you know, uh, whatever you call it, um, Greek mythology and stuff, but that's still what it means. And so after that, four days later, I get invitations from out of the country and across the state. I mean, across the United States of America, from Massachusetts to Montana. How is it that I can go 30 years trying to get invitations, trying to get places to speak, trying to get a platform to speak on so I can preach the gospel, and I can't get one, or if I do get one, I don't get invited back, to all of a sudden my calendar's full, and I'm booked month in advance and months in advance. Like right now, we're, what, it's July the 21st? And I'm booked at the beginning of August, middle of August, end of August. I'm going to New York, Philadelphia, back to New York. Then I go, um, I come home and then I go back to New York in October. And I'm also invited to go to Texas and um, uh, Manny, Louisiana to do something. So I'm booked months in advance, but for 30 years I couldn't get one booking. How's that possible? That in one day... One little something happens that looks like it's a little something. And what I personally could not accomplish myself with radio, TV, books, and practically begging. And I couldn't even, I even made a lot of money, couldn't make it happen. But something shifts in my brain and then everything changes in an instant. So when that occurred, that's when I went, oh my goodness, this is how you shift the subconscious. So I started going back into all the different things I had written in February, from February 2014 to March of 2015, and started realizing what actually occurred, what happened inside of me, not outside of me, inside of me. Where does God say the kingdom of God is? On the inside. And when I realized what had happened to me, I could go back and I could study from a chemistry standpoint, the limbic brain. And when I began studying the limbic brain, I said, I know what happened. I got it now. So basically, it's as simple as this. Life is in the blood. We know that. This is, it says it that plainly in Scripture. Even medical doctors agree. Life is in the blood, right? Well, the Bible also says, don't look at what you can see, but look at what you cannot see. Because that which you can see is temporary, and that which you cannot see is eternal. And Jesus said, he told us parables because we couldn't understand heavenly things. He said, if you can't understand this earthly thing I'm telling you, how are you going to understand if I tell you heavenly? So by looking at blood, which I've been studying since I was 19, 
and I, in uh, 1996, God had me get a Gray's Anatomy medical book to stu begin studying the circulatory system. I found out that blood and emotion work exactly alike. One you can see, one you can't see. One's temporary, one's eternal. Then I found out that when God anointed people with oil, oil is the blood of the plant. So oil is blood, emotions are blood, and blood is blood. And the Bible even calls our emotions the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, and the oil of mourning. And I found a correlation between them all. So what I did was then I began to study oil so I could see how it worked in the amygdala through aromatherapy. Because we know that aromatherapy just means the molecules are so tiny, they can bounce off of the surface and go into the nostrils and the lungs, go straight into the bloodstream and go past the brain barrier, which was really important to me because I had already studied the five senses and their correlation in the brain and how they work. So when I began to add all this together, I said, oh my goodness, I now understand what to do. And God just connected all the dots. And it goes right back to the word sin. The Bible says to sin is to miss the mark. Isn't that right? So if you go look up that word in the Hebrew and you study missing the mark, it means to miss the flag, the monument, the uh, calculation, the mark, the sign, the wonder, and the miracle. So what is a monument? I study each one of those words. A monument means a memory. So if you miss the memory and you miss the sign in the memory or you miss the wonder or the calculation of the memory, that is sin. And then that produces all manner of lasciviousness. So that's different than sinning is to lie, cheat, steal, murder, which is still true because one's just an extension of the other. But to miss the mark means to miss the calculation of, it's kind of like God is the God of wonder. So if we miss the wonder, that's sin. And many times we say, oh, I wonder what this is. Well, if we would go into that wonder, God would unveil it and we wouldn't miss it. So that's what was happening. I was missing the monuments, all the memories that would come up. And so that reminds me of when Jesus said, as often as you eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. So that's what we do. We go into a memory and when we eat of it and we drink of that memory, this time we don't do it just in remembrance of ourselves. We do it in remembrance of Christ. And when we do it in remembrance of Christ, we live. He said, if we do it in remembrance of ourselves, we become sick, weak, and yea, some sleep. And that's our problem. Our, that was my problem. I had believed when I was little, from zero to six, that I was rejected, alone, and not loved. And because I believed it, I had what I believed. I kept drawing it to myself over and over. But once that shifted in my brain, then I drew love and acceptance and no lack. 